All right, we're glad that each of you are here uh, with us. We're going to continue a message series I launched last week called Destinations, and we're going to dig a little further into that. Uh, before I do that, just want to let you know, uh, Randy is back next, uh, next week. Uh, he has been in Fort Worth uh, the past month, really getting to know his new grandson. His son, Thad, uh, has a young boy named Blake, who he's, him and Cindy have been able to be within Fort Worth the past month. Uh, he came back this weekend and are traveling and in Turlock in uh, Central California. And he's going to be back with us uh, next week. Um, talked with him. He said he's, he's very refreshed, but he's, he's ready to go. So we look forward to seeing uh, Randy with us next week. Uh, that's where he is. And uh, once again, July 10th, we're going to be launching that message series, Box Office Wisdom. So a few things we got uh, coming up. In church that I'm excited about. Hope you are as well. Uh, let's dig into the message. Uh, there's an outline in your program if you'd like to follow along. There's a pen in front of you if you need one, or you can just listen, whatever you prefer. Uh, last week, I just want to review. Uh, we talked about the principle of the path, and really, all of us have destinations in life, uh, goals, uh, a place we want to end up, a place we want to be at the end of our time, whenever that may be. No, no one knows, but we want to give ourselves to something. And last week we talked about sometimes in life we have goals and destinations in mind, but we're not where we thought we would be. Uh, there's a destination that we had in mind, but we're, we're not there. And a lot of times we have dreams and aspirations and these ideas in our head, but when we look at our life, they don't really match up. And we talked last week about what to do when that happens, when there's a rub in your life where it just where you want to be and where you are aren't the same. And we talked about a principle that is really common sense, but when you hear it and think about how it relates to your life, it actually can be leveraged to really help us if we apply the principle. And the principle is direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Basically, it doesn't matter really what we want so bad or the dreams that we have. That's not going to lead us to a destination. It's actually the direction of our life, the path that we choose. That is what directs us. That is what sends us on a journey. And all of us just have these things that we think, oh, but I really wanted that. Why didn't I get it? And it might have been a relationship or spiritually you wish you were further along than you are. An opportunity at work, in your job, and you're just not where you want to be. And instead of looking at, well, I really wanted it, we have to look at, well, where is the direction of our life? Where is it that we are actually going? Because where we're going is where we will end up. Doesn't that make complete sense? So if direction is so important where we are pointed and where we're headed, then that begs the question, well, what impacts our direction? If direction determines destination, what impacts direction? Another way of putting it, well, then how do we make sure that our direction is going the right way, that we're actually moving along the right path? And what we're going to look about at this morning is the fact that in a relationship with God, once we decide to give him really the, the reins to our life, once he's boss of our life, that means that we need to be headed in a certain direction. 
his way, according to the scriptures. How do we do that when there's so many things that compete for that direction? And so we need to take one step further. If direction determines our destination, then what affects our direction? I'm glad you guys asked. First point you see in your outline, where our attention goes, our direction follows. Where our attention goes, our direction follows. Talking about attention, there's usually two different ways that it's described. The first way is something grabs our attention. We experience this all the time. Or something captures our attention. Fellas, if you're married, you remember the first time you saw your wife. She grabbed your attention. Am I right? There's something where you were going your way, you see her, and you thought, huh, that's interesting. And before you knew it, she had your attention. We can all remember that. But there's lots of things in life that grab our attention. Opportunities. Just something that we see come up and we, oh, that is, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. And it, you're, you're focused on it. A relationship that you really want. He's the one or she's the one and you're completely focused on it. Success can grab and capture our attention. We want to be here. We want to be successful. And it just can grab or capture our attention. So that's the first thing. Attention is usually described as something that's captured or just grabs us and just we're focused on it. The second way is when you talk about attention, there's also the term pay attention. I don't know about you, but when I was in school, I heard that from my teachers many times talking to me. Alex, pay attention. And I always thought, you know what, I'm paying attention. It's just like not to you. Like it made complete sense. The thing with attention is we're always paying attention to something. It just may not be the right thing. But there's a cost involved to attention. The teachers are thinking the best interest of the student, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to get it. And if you don't get it, you're not going to learn. And then the spiral continues. But there's many things. If we don't pay attention, it will cost us. You ever been in an accident? Speeding ticket. Isn't that just the first, you know, you see a cop and you think, well, that is just strange. They just pulled behind me with their lights on. And then you'd realize you weren't paying attention to that thing that goes like this. Your speedometer. So paying attention is very important to laws, to principles, to the truth. So on one side, we have things that grab and capture us. And then we have other things that if we don't pay attention to us, it actually costs us. And the truth is we're always giving attention to something. What we need to realize is what we're giving our attention to If that becomes the main thing we're focused on, that directs your life. Where your attention goes, there goes your direction. The Scriptures know this. Because the Scriptures know it, God knows it. Because He gave us the Bible. God knows that there are many things that vie for our attention. We get easily distracted. Hebrews 2.1 says this, the writer of Hebrews, We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. The, the, the word there, pay more careful attention, in the original language, this was written in Greek in the first century. 
It means to hold the mind, to be cautious. So God's instructing us, you need to hold your mind and be cautious on what you focus on. Because if you don't, the second half of the verse describes it, you will drift away. Where our attention goes, there we go. Now, it's easy to think that if you think about driving. You guys ever been on one side of the freeway and you're backed up and you're just thinking, what, what is going on? You, you know, you turn into the radio station and you find out the other side of the freeway has the accident. Isn't that the most frustrating things? And you're just telling everyone in your car, looky-loose. You know, you're frustrated. Don't look at the accident. Let's just, you know, if everyone just focused on the lane, there would be no stall on this side. The accident's on the other side of the freeway, right? And, you, you know, you kind of get righteous and, come on, people, don't look. And then you, you, something happens, man. You approach and don't look, guys. There's just something about those, like, sirens and, you know, people out of their car and you're just thinking, what's that? Has your attention and it backs up a whole freeway. Or have you ever been driving and you want to, like, change lanes? And you want to go in this lane. And you're like, I need to change into that lane. And then before you know it, you're in the lane. Oh, <laughs> better put my blinker on. Once met a tow, tow truck driver, this has got to be, like, the most dangerous job in the world. The guy had been hit, like, four times. Because he says what happens is along the freeway, he's towing a car, fixing it up to his truck. And people see and look, and then they steer in that direction. That should be on the Discovery Channel, tow truck driver. One of the deadliest jobs. But it's so true. Where our eyes are fixed on, that's where we go. The same is true in life. What has your attention has your life. Has your direction, which heads you to a certain destination. What we're focused on is where we go. So uh, our attention affects our direction, then there's another important question. Well, what, what grabs our attention? If it's something that grabs our attention or captures us, what are the things? Well, in Scripture, if we pull it back a little bit further, we find that there's just things within us, the way that we're wired because of sin, that we have to deal with. Because these are the things that grab our attention. The first two are their impulses and appetites. Each of us have impulses. An impulse is just you see something that you want and you want it right then. There's a desire there for something and you, you want it. It's going to fill a void. It's going to fill a need. It's just something that you really want. First John 2 says this. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. Here's the description. The cravings of sinful man. That's you and I. We are sinful All of us have missed the mark, and we have just cravings within us. There are things that we want. And the description is it's the lust of his eyes and the boasting of what he has and does. We have this drive to get more, to strive more, to just provide for us so we feel better about ourselves. And then we want to show other people, look at what I got. All of us deal with that. The impulse and appetite. Appetites in Scripture, you find it could be the the appetite for greed, certain relationships, opportunities that, that lead to destruction, shortcuts that you shouldn't take, uh, food, 
drink, sex, all those appetites we, we each have. Some are affected by different ones. But these appetites and these, these impulses, they're, they're reckless. They don't make sense. And oftentimes what happens, we see other people that have attention on these things, and you think, oh my goodness, if they only knew. It's like one of those things where we can always see it in others. Right? Just We can see what they're doing. And, oh, why are you focused on that? When it comes to us, it's, it doesn't make sense to us. We can't see it. And this is the struggle. The appetites, the impulses that drive us, that have our attention, and they veer us to a certain direction that leads us to a certain destination. There's a video I want to show you which humorously describes this, but you'll get the point. Let's cue that. Hey, uh, I'm going to need you to go ahead and do a food run for me. Are you on your cell phone? What? Okay, look, if you're going to intern here, I suggest you turn off your cell phone. Okay. okay. Now, how about you go around to that uh, salad place around the corner and get me a chicken salad? And uh, you know what? No, get, get me vegetarian. And then get yourself something, too, Okay. Hot wings? So my 3G wasn't working. Yeah, what does that have to do so with that thing? So I went to the wing place because I have got the TVs and I got to keep up with the scores and stats because I got a fantasy baseball team. So I ordered vegetarian. Well, <clears throat> you said chicken first, and I think there's some yeah, there's some carrots and some celery sticks in there. So I think I think we're good. Look, you didn't follow directions. Okay, there's way too much food here. How much did this cost? It's like 45 bucks, 50. It's about 55 bucks. I'm never going to be able to eat this whole thing. But I mean, you can take home whatever you don't eat, so. Actually, I can't because I have to go to the airport right after this. All right, and I don't think airport security is going to let me walk in with a bag of hot wings. I, I can take that then. I'll take home whatever you don't eat, so. And you know what? That's a good idea. Why don't you just go home, all right? You're fired. Just... All right, looks like I'll just be ordering. Wait, <clears throat> sorry. Listen, so you said I could take that home. Ah, uh, wings, right? Yeah, I don't care. Just go. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, listen. There's already ranch in there. Excited. Nice That cracks me up. And then I think, man, how many times have I looked at my cell phone? <laughs> Somebody's talking, right? Yeah. What's the score? What's that article? Yeah, yeah. Or for me, it's like the grocery store run, you know. Go to the store to get this and that, and then I get to the store, and it's like, I realize I didn't listen to one thing I was supposed to get. What kind of milk do we drink at this house? Is it condensed in the can? Is that that's cheaper? little confession, confession time here. Um, but the, the, the video illustrates another point. 
all of us can relate. We, we know we each have things within us, these impulses, the appetites. But what's interesting is we do create strategies a lot of times to get what we want. Oftentimes they involve people. Well, if that person did this, then that would really help me achieve this goal. Or I know this person said to do this, but really if I did this, it'd probably be better anyways and I could still get what I want. And we, we do that. So not only is just stuff within us, but it affects those around us. And it can lead to really destructive patterns and destinations that none of us want to be at. But we have to deal with our heart. We have to deal with what our eyes see. I'm not going to read this fully, but in Matthew 6, you see that on the outline. I encourage you to read that later. It talks about how the eye is the lamp of the body. What we see really is is what's guiding us. It's, It's driven by our heart, but it's guiding us to the path that we're on. It's just the lantern out in front of us. What you see, what you gaze at, what you give your attention to, that is what drives your life. And the more you're focused on it, the more it determines the destination that you head to. So there is really an important concept here that what we focus on really does affect us. And a lot of times, I know in my own life, I just think, well, it's not a big deal. I mean, I know overall, of course, in my life, this is what I want to be about. But I realize it's actually in the little things, the choices I make at work, the choices I make in my marriage, the choices I make with my kids, the choices I make in ministry and as I serve, as I relate to all of you. It's those choices, based on what I'm focused on, that they really do make a difference. So what I'm giving attention to really matters. So we have to pay attention. God's urging us to pay attention. Uh, when I was a, a kid, I lived in Texas, and I had moved recently from England. So I'm in Texas, and I remember the first day I ever saw a tetherball. For some reason, across the pond, if a ball is inflated, it's the kick. I mean, that's it. It's for soccer, and that's it. Well, I remember I was in second grade, and I'm walking along on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, I see this thing, a ball connected to a rope connected to a pole. They called it tetherball. It like glowed. I just remember thinking, that is amazing. What? What is that? And so I'm, I'm just walking along, but I'm completely focused on this tetherball. I've never seen it before in my life. I think it's like one of the coolest things ever. But what I realize is not cool is when city engineers sometimes design sidewalks where they take concrete slabs out and then they put cactus in the sidewalk. Like it makes sense when you're watching where you're going. But if you're looking at tetherball across the street... You can fall in. And no joke, I'm like, tetherball's awesome. This, wow, wow, boom, cactus. Just full, my whole body. I remember standing up like, oh, that hurt. And I walked home. And it was one of those moments, you know, I'm young, and I, my mom opens the door, and it was, ah, you know, I just cried. And, you know, for the next hour, four days, I lost track. My mom just with a tweezer, just picking out cactus thorns out of my flesh. For those giggles out there, it was a painful time in my life. But you know what? I'll never forget that moment because I realized that although I was still going over here, I completely hit a pitfall because of what I was focused on. I'll never forget that. What you focus on guides your life. 
So if I ended the message here, okay, focus on the good things, right? Go, do good. What do we do? There's no hope. Well, God, knowing that so many things vie for attention, he does provide us with, with help, how to stay on track, how to give attention to the right things. So I'm going to close my message with two things, that if you give your attention to these two things, no matter where you are, if you commit your life to Christ, that's the first thing. Decide that his way is the best way. Allow him to have the reins of your life. If you do that, these two things will help guide your life so you end up at the destination God wants you to be at. The first thing is we've got to pay careful attention to the fear of the Lord. There's a, a blank line I skipped that you'll see in your outline. That's just attention, direction, destination. I think you guys get that. Attention, direction, destination. I know some people, if there's a blank and it's not filled in, it's going to drive you nuts. So attention, direction, destination. Right under that, fear of the Lord. This is what can help you keep your attention on the right things. Fear of the Lord is something that you may have heard of growing up in church. If you've not grown up in church, you may think it's something to do with being afraid or scared of God. That actually is a little piece of it. But fear of the Lord means that, that you are going to take God seriously. That what he says in the Bible is true. True enough that you will steer and redirect your life to do what it says. That's fear of the Lord. Taking him seriously, knowing that God, if he told me to do it, he's not going to rip me off. He's not going to just allow my life to crumble because I do what he says. A lot of times that's what we battle with. Well, if I do God's way, I'm not going to get this desire that I really want. My impulses and my appetites, what do I do with it? And we just, we wallow. Fear of the Lord is saying that, Although I really want this, I know it's outside of the path that God wants me on. I will not choose it. I know God will provide, but I will not choose it. That's the fear of the Lord. Proverbs fifteen sixteen: Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth and turmoil. See, if the scripture just there on verse 16 ended better little with fear of the Lord than great wealth, period, wouldn't we just say, well, that can't be right? I mean, most of us, if you look, fear of the Lord, okay, do what God says to do, or great wealth, a lot of us would be like, well, can I do both? What you realize is the, the proverb here is basically saying the pursuit of great wealth. In the end, that's the destination. If that's your destination, it leads to great turmoil. The thing that you thought would provide peace for your life is the opposite. Basically saying better that you you don't have as much, but you have the fear of the Lord. What that means is better that you're on the right path within the boundaries that God set than to just do as you please to get what you want, but to experience turmoil and a lack of peace. That's the picture that the scriptures give us. Psalm 119 says this, Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. That's a picture of the fear of the Lord. Direct, that word there, direct me in the path of your commands. You see the path again. The idea of direct is like an archer that pulls back the bow, and he launches that arrow to a specific place, and that arrow goes. 
That's what the psalmist is asking God. God, will you direct me? Will you pull back the course of my life and launch me to where I go? And he unfolds that. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens by being on the path of his commands, doing what God says to do. See, a lot of times in our life, we tend to think the scriptures are very general. Talk kind of about big concepts, but they're actually very specific. They have things to say about how you work, how you relate to people, how you handle your money, how you handle your kids, your marriage, your responsibilities. Very specific. So the psalmist is saying, God, direct me in this path in each area. I want to do things your way in each area of my life. That's the fear of the Lord. And then you see what he's battling with. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. There's the appetites, the impulses, the things that buy for our attention. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Isn't that just something that we should have in our head? As we see something that we want, we know it's not what God wants. God, turn my eye away from this worthless thing. I don't want to choose it because it leads down a direction to a destination I don't want to be. That's the fear of the Lord. The second is to affect the direction of your life and what you give attention to. You need input from the wise. Input from the wise. The fact of the matter is when you are so solely focused on something that you want and you're driven by this impulse and desires, you are, you are in your own bubble. And it makes complete sense to you because this is what you're focused on. But somebody comes along who's lived life that's seeing that's what these patterns do, that they can come along and give input into your life to tell you, you know, what you're focused on right here is not going to get you what you want. In fact, this is what it's going to happen. They walk you through it. Because they've seen it. They've experienced it. They've seen what God's done as they've trusted him. Input from the wise. There is no monetary value to that. But it can save you from the pitfalls of life. Well, the thing about wise people, which sometimes confuses us, is wise people know, because they're wise, that they don't just go correcting and giving input to anyone. You know, you really should do this differently to some guy that they've never met. Or in church, they just, you know, if you're doing that, you know, this is what's going to happen. They don't do that. The wise give input as they are asked. So if you want input from wise people, there's some questions you can ask. And these things just, even me, I, as I was thinking these, they just brought like a, a lump to my stomach and my throat as well because I thought, oh, these are so, these are difficult. Because our pride... We kind of just want to do what we want to do. So here are some questions you can ask after you've humbled yourself. Am I focusing on the right or wrong things? You just ask somebody that. Somebody that's wise. Am I focusing on the right or wrong thing in this situation? What do you think about this decision? Ooh, I don't like that one. Because you're actually asking them, if it's not a good decision, tell me and why. Uh, can you help me sort out my thoughts? When you're so focused on something and you have a goal and you've planned out exactly how you're going to get that goal, but then something inside you, which the scriptures call the Holy Spirit, is telling you, don't pursue that. Don't pursue that goal. That's not what God wants. Then you get all dorked up, convoluted. Because you want this over here, but you know God's saying, this is the path. These are the boundaries. And so our mind just gets so messed up. 
Oftentimes we need wise people. Can you help sort out my thoughts? I'm so confused. And you ask for input. Another question. I want this, whatever this goal is, whatever this pursuit is. I want this, whatever I'm giving my attention to. What will happen if I continue to pursue it? In your experience, what's happened to people that decide to do this? Last, what are some pitfalls I may face at the current stage I'm at? Where I am right now in my situation in life, what are some of the appetites and the impulses, the things that are going to grab my attention that I need to know about? And you ask. You ask a wise person those questions. And what you begin to see is how God uses that person and their experience and people that they've known that have helped them and people that they've learned from as they've made good or bad choices and it compounds and compounds and you get this wealth of wisdom that can help guide your life. So those two things, if each of us were to apply the fear of the Lord, really taking God seriously at his word, when he says to do it, we're going to do it. When he says go this way, we're going to go that way. We know his way is the best way. Despite the fact it doesn't make sense to us at the time because of what we really want. If we take fear of the Lord seriously and really get input from the wise by asking them, seeking them out, asking them honest questions, the destination of our life can be changed. If you're where you are and you don't want to be there, these two things can dramatically change your life. Because God is wired. This is the pathway to wisdom. This is the pathway to learning. The pathway to better decisions. And all these are decisions that we make on the path of life. So I encourage you, these two things, take some time to think through, mull over, think of some questions you may need to ask yourself, some questions you may need to seek out in Scripture, what God has to say about a certain area that you're dealing with that has your attention. And you take some time. Church in the Valley, our our hope is to help each of you get on the path that God wants you to be on. No matter where you are. Because we know that God has a specific direction for each of you. To a destination of pleasing Him and living your life His way. And there's so much blessing there. Better than any other thing that that we may want. There's some next steps that you can take as... You chew on this this next week. I've given you a few things to do, but here's some more. Uh, you can memorize Psalm 119, 35 through 37. Direct me in the path of your commands. Preserve my life according to your word. If you memorize that, turn my eyes away from worthless things. As you memorize that and you face these things, use Scripture to direct you back. Use Scripture to help you get back on the path. Uh, second, um, ask God to show any impulses or appetites that you've let grab your attention. Be honest with God. Just say, God, will you show me? Or you may just go, God, here's the list. You, you begin working on those. But you've got to know what has your attention so you can begin to think, how is that going to affect your life? And third, get input on decision before I have decided. If you're not ready for that yet, don't worry about that. But if you are, I want you to underline this. Before I have decided. Isn't that just a struggle? We'll get input if it, exacts, if it matches exactly what we're thinking. Or, thanks for the input, but I've already kind of thought I'm going to go this way. The wise cannot help the mind that's already made up. 
So you have to try your best to get to a neutral heart based on what you want. And you get input before you've decided. So those are a few of the things that you can do. And prayer is that we'll all begin to take the fear of the Lord seriously, do things His way, and get input from people that can help us. Let's pray together. God, thank You for the fact that You do want to direct us and You actually have an idea in mind of how our life should look and You've told us that. You've given us instructions. And we don't need to be left by ourselves trying to figure out how to live life. You've actually stepped in the world through Jesus Christ and and you've given us the help that we need. And So God, I, I ask that you will help us to see the areas that we're focused on, giving attention to that that don't line up with the values that you have. Show us just some areas where we've let just discontentment creep in, sin creep in, that's going to steer us off the path that, that you want us to be on. God, thank you for your grace and mercy. And no matter where we are, you give us a detour. You give us a help. And so I, I ask that we will not be condemned and beat ourselves up, but we'll cling to you and your grace. It is grace that, that we're saved, and it does truly change us. We thank you for that. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we honor God with our offering.